You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old It's a bit hard. 
Probably at a yeah. bus stop. <laughs> you picked them off, up off the floor or something or gave them your seat, I assume. Not that, you have to give your, not that you have to give your seat to anybody during this period. <laughs> plenty of seats on public transport. That's true. There's always a silver lining. Look, the reason I ask uh, the age is just to give people mm. an understanding of you know, where you're coming from. And the second question, you've got mm. 55 minutes to answer, is uh, what's, <laughs> the first thing, what's the first thing you can remember about being on planet Earth? My first memory? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, my earliest memory is of myself being at, like, a little fair, and I'm on, like, a Shetland pony, like one of those really? very small miniature horses. Yeah. Hmm. And the horse isn't really, isn't really, like, enjoying it. It's not happy with the job it's been given. It just wants to eat grass. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The think top thing that parents of my vintage used to do, we used to drag our little kitties and put them on Shetland ponies. Who basically, mm-hmm. you know, you know. I assume your parents did the same thing. Was it your mum or your dad or both that were responsible? It probably was both. Mm-hmm. With the name Schultz, uh, were they mm-hmm. born here or they were out migrants? Yeah, um, my family have been born here. I think it goes back a few a few generations in this country, mm. like maybe late eighteen hundreds on both sides. Right, and have you got any uh, idea of the background? Yeah, it's like a mixture of things. Schultz is obviously German, um, but then you've got Dutch, um, British. Um, Few other, a few other mixed in there, um, but that's mostly mostly it. Mostly British, Scottish, Irish, English, German, Dutch. Dutch, right. And I assume mm. your parents are alive, so we can't say anything yeah. rude about them. Is that correct? Yeah, we can say rude stuff about my parents. I don't mind. You don't mind? Well, I don't know them. I don't want to be rude to them. You know. I mean, <laughs> So I'm not going to ask you what type of childhood you had and all that stuff. You know, that's a bit boring. But uh, yeah. were you were you born in Melbourne? No, I was born in Kempsey. Kempsey, New South Wales. Yeah. I have fond memories of Kempsey. What were your early Me memories too. like? Tell us about. Well, it. I remember. Um, I remember playing at my neighbour's house, and they had lots of banana trees in their backyard. Yep. And That's it. I remember it being really warm. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned banana trees. I've yeah. actually got a, as I'm still working as a doctor, I've got a permit to come into Melbourne to see patients. And I was seeing a, a patient mm-hmm. yesterday who lives in um, Hampton, and uh, he, he's got banana trees all through his back garden in Hampton. You wouldn't believe it, would you? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> so did, There's actually... Oh, sorry, you go. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I just moved to Footscray and I've seen a banana tree growing in the front car park of the car yard the other day. You sure it's not plastic ones? Because they're, they're about the plastic ones too. Well, there was a plastic bag around the bunch of bananas. Oh, it must be a real banana. 
yeah. Would have, would have mm. been Vietnamese. Would have been Vietnamese car yard, I reckon. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got a Vietnamese patient in Broadmeadows who grows sugar cane, which is about, you know, two uh-huh. metres tall, <laughs> as well as bananas. <laughs> wow. So, I didn't think for that it would, it would grow here. Neither did I. I was, I was shocked, shocked. Mm-hmm. And, and she's and she's got poor paws too. So, you know, she's got mm. a lot of time on her hands. Mm-hmm. So, did you go to school in Kempsey? Um, no, I was only there till I was about three or four, and then we moved again. What do you mean again? Oh, that was so. That's the first time my parents moved a lot. Actually, um, growing up, I think Kempsey wasn't the first place they lived. Then they mm. moved to Goulburn in New South Wales, mm. and then later they moved again. We moved again to the Hunter Valley. No, they weren't professional criminals, were they? Kind of. <laughs> they were cops. They were police. That's why they were moved from place to place. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I've never met somebody yeah. who's had both, both parents who are police. Yeah, uh, I think it's actually quite... It's kind of common. Um, I think, like, they met yeah. at the academy. Sounds <laughs> like a movie. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> police academy number seven or something. Yeah, my mum's the sound effects. Yeah, it is. It is a terrible job. No, it's the moving that's a terrible thing. I, I know it's like you know being a, an accountant or a doctor in a small town or, or a police officer. You know, or a vet. You're always moving. Your kids are the ones who suffer basically because they never form. Lasting friendships, do you? Mm. Oh, I'm still friends with um, not so much from like my first three years of life, but um, my first friend that I met first week of kinder, which is in New South Wales, that's your prep, I think. Um, mm-hmm. We're still friends. Amazing. Mm. I can't when we it. moved, yeah, when we moved um, uh, in Year Four, we were like best best friends, inseparable. Um, always at each other's house on the weekends, that kind of thing. Um, when I moved, it was a bit tragic, but we became pen pals. And then we just wrote to each other. And now that we're in lockdown again, actually, we've started writing to each other again. It's really cute. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. I've started writing again, too. I've, uh, I'm writing to my grandson, but I'm not pretending I'm me. I'm pretending I'm the cat. You're pretending <laughs> you're the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's young enough to believe it. <laughs> naughty, How do, what do you say to him as the cat? Well, I, well, I, well, I've got a cat. It's called Mr. Cat, right? The cat's called Mr. Cat. And I say, hello, yeah. it's, Miss, it's Mr. Cat here. <laughs> and, then, and, and then I denigrate me, you know, in, in, in the thing I say. He's old, he's losing his memory, that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And in the last letter I wrote, he's quite... Well, I actually get cards. I get cards with cats on them, you know, because I thought, yeah. in fact, you know, you can't see, uh, as you know, in a stage four lockdown, you can't see people. Mm. And, uh, and you're right. I think a lot of, but the only trouble writing these days, it takes about 10 days for a letter to get anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. My friend sent me a card from New South Wales. Um, I think not this lockdown, the first one, and it took a month <laughs> to get here from Sydney. Yeah, not unusual. Yeah, yeah. 
it's uh, it's interesting that the fact we've gone back. I mean, there is something nice about holding a pen and writing on a card or something, isn't there? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really into it. I'm not very good at technology, so I, I'm not <sighs> even at even at uni, I would never took my laptop. I just took a notebook. Supray, can I can I say something that nobody else yeah. can hear? I love you. You know why? <laughs> you love you hate you hate technology. It, it's my. I'm pet just hate. bad at it. No, 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 no. You hate it. Come on, you, you've made you've made an ethical, political choice, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Never say you're bad at anything. <laughs> so where where did you go to primary school? Uh, in in Goulburn, um, until up until year four, a Catholic school. Right. What was that like? That was well. It was fine. I was kind of a weird kid, um, but I, I made a best friend in the first week. Um, so I just had her mostly. Kind of mm. got me through. I, was, I liked school a lot. I really like wanted to go um, mm. before I turned the age, and then yeah, I was teacher's pet for most, at that time for a while. Mm. Mm. So I loved it. Well, I think I think a lot of people who find it a little bit stressful at home love school. It's an escape. I'm not saying it's stressful at home, but it's something different, you know. Mm. It's, it's different. And um, did you, and then you had to move again from Goldwood Primary, did you? Yeah, yeah. So we met, moved from that school um, and started at a new school. I think I was. Mm. Um, it was like the last term of year four. My poor sister um, was in her last term of year six and I think my parents thought like if we move them then she has a chance to make friends with people before she starts high school but it ended up being like instead of completing primary school with like her classmates who she'd been with for like the whole time she like graduated with a group of people who she'd known for four like 10 weeks Mm -hmm. um so she kind of yeah got the short end of the stick with that but it was okay. It was okay for me. I didn't mind primary school. Um, I made my. I met like another friend um, in that class who I'm still like good best friends with now as well. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you think you excelled at primary school apart from being teacher's pet? Yeah. Um. Oh gosh, like I don't. I don't mean to like you know toot my own horn, but. I, I, hang on, I hang like on, everything. hang on. Surprise, surprise. Just listen, yeah. this is radical, Australia. It's about you. Yeah. You can toot your own horn, okay? We don't mind. <laughs> I, yeah, I liked reading. I was really, like, big book nerd. Um, I always got... I got bullied on the school bus a bit in primary school for always reading by the other farm kids. Um, wow. And I really liked math as well. And writing, creative writing was my favourite, though. I really wanted to be a writer. Right. Even at primary school, you wanted to be a writer. Yeah, pretty much. I think like first grade, we we started. We got. They taught us how to write stories. You get like a little story style. Um, mm-hmm. You know, be like, mm-hmm. when I grow up, I want to be blah blah blah. And then you make a story out of that. And I used to mm-hmm. try and rush to finish all my work so that I could do that do that activity. And I wrote, yeah, I wrote story little stories all the time. Uh, most of the themes were like being yourself is the most powerful thing you can be kind of thing. 
things have changed, haven't they, at school? I remember when I was yeah. when I was at primary school, uh, it was wasn't about developing your potential. <laughs> it was about getting through to the next grade. <laughs> I don't think we even knew what a potential was. <laughs> yeah. So. What happened regarding, where did you go to high school or secondary college? Um, yeah, high school was also in, in the Hunter. It was a town called uh, Lockenvale. Um, mm-hmm. And I went to a Catholic college there as mm-hmm. well, which I did not like so much as primary school. Mm. So w- w- were your parents religiously inclined or they just sent you to Catholic school because they thought you'd kind of, kind of a discipline there would be good for you? Um, actually, it's kind of messed up. Um, I found out the reason they sent me to Catholic school as opposed to public school was kind of um, because they didn't want me to. Um, they didn't want me to go to school with the kids of um, parents who they would interact like. Who they locked up basically? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, when I found out, I was like, "Whoa, it's so dark." <laughs> well, maybe that's the type of thing they talk about at the police station, especially in a small country town. It's yeah. very difficult if you're, if you're a professional in a small country town because you know you know everybody's business. If you're the doctor, you know you know you've, you know everybody's problems. If you're the police officer, you know who's, yeah. Yeah, it just definitely says something, though, about, um, you know, people in lower socioeconomic um, areas being more targeted by police as well, though. Like, mm, of course. I think of course, it's m- making that connection, yeah. I was, like, a bit blown away. Mm, mm. Right. I didn't ask you. I should have asked you. Any any brothers? You mentioned one sister. Did you have any other any other siblings? Just one sister, and that's the way to deal with it. And be prevent. What's happened there? What's happened there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? I've got nobody in my in my. Here we go. Look, isn't that interesting? Now, trying to make do it during stage four spray. So. Yep. So did things change at high school for you? Yeah, yeah, um, it got a lot worse, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody um, listens to this program, so you can tell me. Okay, great. <laughs> I feel so safe <laughs> in your capable hands. Um, yeah, we're on the air. I was just going to say, I'm not going to send you a bill. It's all right. Keep going. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so in high school, I think, like in primary school, I was pretty much friends with, with everyone. And then in high school, kind of start to see everyone sizing each other up, like in the first few weeks. I think it was like one of those schools where it's like a bunch of different primary schools fed into the, into the same school. So it was a bit like competitive. And um, I just started to get bullied really badly. Really? Mm. Were you a small girl, or, or what would you think? No, I was. I started getting bullied. Actually, well, what happened was I had a, a, a friend, like a close friend from primary school, and she, I'm not sure what was going on in her personal life at the time, but she started um, having like a lot of issues, got an eating disorder, got very into Marilyn Manson, right. which is cool. Marilyn Manson's really cool. 
Um, but she just decided she didn't like me anymore, but she told everyone the reason why she didn't like me anymore was because I was a lesbian and that wow. I was hitting on her. Um, mm. And that's why she couldn't be friends with me because I was a lesbian. And that kind of that kind of stuck with me through all of high school. Mm. And obviously it wasn't a tolerant school and been a Catholic school. No, Catholic rural school wasn't very, wasn't really a thing. Mm. So did that affect your academic performance? Yeah, it did actually. I, I just started giving up after a while. I didn't really, I kind of got to this point where I was like, well, what's the point of having good grades if you don't have anyone to talk to? We don't have any friends. So yeah, I stopped trying. It took me, it took me ages um, to get sort of back on track with studies. Even after okay. school, even at university, I think I never quite got the enthusiasm I had in my like younger years. So, so, so how long were you at this school for? Um, I was at that school for four years, and then we went to a different school for 11 and 12. So, 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 so for four years you had no friends you could talk to or confide in? or. Uh, I would have friends. Um, I had friends, but there were just a few other incidences. Like, I remember... Um, I was, I, yeah, I broke this girl's camera one time, so she stopped being my friend. So I was then hanging out with this different group of people. And then after a while, it turned out that they'd been making these jokes about me behind my back about being a lesbian. So I was like, mm -hmm. found that out. Like, people who I thought were my friends had been making these jokes again. So I just, like, moved on to a different group. It, it got, by the end, by year 10, I think, it was a bit better. But the first few years, like seven to eight, Little bit of year nine was, I would say, the worst years of my life. So you mean you think as people matured, they kind of were yeah. I think I stopped caring. Yeah, I think I developed, got more comfortable in myself as well. Though I think, like, I think in high school when you are a bit nerdy and you're a bit anxious and you know, like people like they smell weakness or something and so like you're more of a target but I think over time mm -hmm. I got a bit more confident in myself and just did make some friends that I kind of kept with and had my own group and was happy mm -hmm. and laughed a lot and it got a bit got a bit better. Oh that's good and then uh, uh, where did you do year 11 and 12? Yeah it's a different Catholic school called St Mary's it was just in the next town um, it was like another feeder school situation. There was two right. two high schools. They got fed into this one where they just mostly just focused on your um, final exam results. Were these co-educational or girls' schools? Yeah, co-educational. I think if it was an all-girls school, the lesbian thing wouldn't have been such an issue. Right, right. Okay, so it was, it was the boys who were basically causing the issue. No, I just think homophobia, there was more homophobia. Like, um, friends that I know that went to or girls' schools, it's more common to find lesbians there or for them to come out or something. Right. Um, I don't mm -hmm. identify as a lesbian. I was, I'm bisexual, so it was a bit confusing yeah. for me at the time because the default right. is just that you're straight. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so how did mm -hmm. you go academically in year 11 and 12? Yeah, I did all, I did all right. What do you mean you did all right? You went to university. I did all right. I got like a, a, a good score. Good. I got into Melbourne Uni. Excuse me. You got into Melbourne Uni, my old alma mater. Yep. <laughs>
<laughs> I didn't go there first though. I went to um, Newcastle University first for a bit, but I was a bit, I was a bit confused. I was a bit um, unsure of what I was doing there, and then came to Melbourne. Right. So, what, what did you do at Newcastle Uni? At Newcastle University, I did um, graphic design, uh, visual communications. So I liked drawing, and I thought, oh, I just, I was just very confused. I was really confused about this. You got to have a job thing. Like I think, I just when I was a kid, I had you know vague ideas about jobs, but by the time I was in my late teens, I was very like disillusioned with things, and I was like, I don't. My dream is to not have a job ever. <laughs> that would be my ultimate goal, mm-hmm. but that didn't seem realistic. So I was trying to figure it out. I did Viscom for a bit. Wasn't very interested in it at all um, and ended up dropping out, I think, third third semester. You dropped out? First yeah. year? In my first year of that one, yeah. And you... and you, um, That doesn't sound very good, but it doesn't sound much of a course, really, to be honest. Yeah, they didn't sell it to you either. They said if you're, you know, if you get a job as a designer who does the... If you're, like, the creative in a company or something... You don't get paid very well. You don't have a lot of creative control over your output as well. It seemed like a very, like, you're sort of selling your soul and your creative talents kind of for the corporations. It wasn't very appealing. They didn't seem happy. My teachers didn't seem, like, very happy. Mm, I'm sure they weren't. So what happened? They're trying to tell you, get out of this. There's no future. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what happened to your creative writing desires during uh, high school and uh, Newcastle University? Did you do any writing or did you just forget Mm. about it? I just forgot about it until quite recently. Um, I completely forgot that I even... I actually... No, I did have it in high school. I had a teacher in year 11, though, in my English extension class who didn't like my stories at all. I think this was like the first time I ever had a teacher that criticised my creative writing. And, like, I can see now she was probably trying to be helpful, but her criticisms weren't very constructive. I think I was a bit fragile at this point as well. I still have a fragile ego, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, and, yeah, I just um, just was like, oh, that's not for me then, I guess. Writing's not for me. I thought it was, but it mustn't be. I've got to find something else now. So how old were you... Uh, when you decided to drop out from Newcastle University, what, 18, 19 or? 18, yeah. 18. It's a big decision when you're 18 and you're finding your your sexuality and you're trying to get, you know, get a career going. So, um, yeah. what did your parents think? Uh, my parents have always been kind of like, you've got to do what makes you happy. Um, my dad stopping um he retired from being a police officer i think like in his 40s um Mm. and because he was very very mentally unwell um and did Mm. a big career change i think that really inspired inspired me even at that time when i wasn't sure of what i wanted to do i just knew i didn't want a job that would make me super miserable like him so i Mm. my parents were pretty like at the point where they were like, you need to just do what makes you happy and we'll support mm. that. I'm, I'm lucky. They're pretty supportive. No, yeah, you're very lucky because a lot of parents, and especially your father making that uh, huge uh, mid-career choice in his 40s, it's um, is a, is a huge issue, huge. So 
why Melbourne? Um, I come come here on holidays a few times, and I really mm-hmm. liked it. Um, actually, I mostly wanted to move to Berlin at that age. I really wanted to um, mm. learn German, live in Berlin. I just had a, I read a lot of books about Berlin. I thought like. Yeah. It was the place that I would want to be, um, and but I was a bit nervous. I was a bit apprehensive about moving to the other mm. side of the world at that age, especially because I wasn't like I was a bit didn't quite have it together. Um, but yeah. I thought Melbourne's kind of good. It's very it's kind of similar to that city. It's cold as well. I thought I could acclimatize to that and sort of mm. learn how to stand on my own two feet, and then maybe I would try and go over there. I've got a, a good friend who was born in Berlin. At, uh, he was three when the war ended, so obviously he saw a lot of terrible things. Uh-huh. He's now he's just turned eighty, and he's been here uh-huh. ooh, I think I think almost sixty years. And he still wow. he, one he's refused to take out Australian citizenship because we've got a queen, you know. But he still yeah. calls himself a Berliner. He doesn't yeah. call himself. <laughs> German. He's a Berliner, and I can understand why you wanted yeah. to go to Berlin. It's an extraordinary place. Yeah. 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 Have you actually got to Berlin yet? Yeah, I have. I've been twice. I went once um, as part of a just a holiday. I went to a few a few different places, and then I mm. went. I was lucky enough to go a few years ago. I was there for three months. Um, what did you think? I loved, oh, it's beautiful. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to come back at all. But I didn't um, really have a, much of a job there or anything, um, so I ran out of money. I had to come back. Right. So, so, so what did you like about Berlin? I My favourite thing is the parks. Exactly. I love the big parks. When you're in in them, you don't feel like you're in a city at all. Mm. Yep, that's um, exactly the same thing, yep. Mm. He says the same thing when he goes back to Berlin. Mm. It's like you're not in a city and it's got its own culture. Uh, It's Mm. kind of self-contained. It's different to the rest of Germany. Uh, He says all those things. Mm. So you could call yourself a faux Berliner, a fake Berliner. A wannabe. A wannabe, a wannabe Berliner. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you eventually... um, Decide to go to Melbourne Uni when you when you. Um, I think um, I this was, I had an epiphany when I was on a camping trip with some friends that I wanted to move to Melbourne, um, and get an arts degree, um, something mm-hmm. more general because I wasn't really sure about what I wanted to do and I didn't want to think any more about what career path I wanted. I just wanted to just learn more about the world and how it worked. Um, so mm-hmm. I did an arts degree at Melbourne Uni. And, and did that help? to move. Huh? Did that help you understand how the wor- world works doing an art degree at Melbourne Uni? I find that interesting. Yeah, I know. Well, now I'm a bit like, I think I've learned a lot more since leaving university um, in terms of like learning things from people. But at the time it was, it was, it was eye opening. And I think it really gave me the zest for life. Um, I did philosophy, I did like philosophy. Um, and languages, mm-hmm. um, right. and philosophy, especially. You know, it's like continental philosophy. It's like, yeah, maybe not like the most radical ideas now. At the time, it seemed like it was like asking interesting questions, and it made me have a passion again for just like 
kind of like looking at the world that we live in with more like wonder and amazement rather than just being over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, rather than fear. So, so what, what, what interested you about continental philosophy? Um, I kind of, well... I kind of liked that it was like more interested in questions about like existence, the nature of being alive, that kind of thing. I liked how it's not so straightforward, like logical, like, you know, the emphasis isn't on logical arguments. It's more on interesting ideas. Mm. Um, mm. And now I kind of realize like a lot of those, like a lot of those guys, like those like European philosophers, kind of just saying the same things that, like, a lot of um, people, like, Indigenous people from around the world, like, ideas that they've came up with ages ago, but it's kind of like the Western way of coming coming to those conclusions about things. Well, have you, have you actually come to any conclusions about being? No. Well, actually, it's really funny. Um, the last subject I did at Melbourne Uni, because, like, my degree kind of stretched out over a long period of time, and I had... Um, had to do a, a subject like at Melbourne Uni. I don't know if you know they do the like um, they want you to do like breadth subjects where you go do a random mm-hmm. subject and that's meant to make you a more like well-rounded person. So they had some short courses. I did the wine appreciation course, which is a short course that you go to the Melbourne Uni. Um, you go to the Melbourne Uni Ag School campus for a week and you learn about wine making. And at the end of the week you get a whole, like, you've done a whole unit. Um, so I did that, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of kids from philosophy, actually, in that, in that course. Um, and when we were talking about it, um, like, what's the, the number one thing that you learnt from your philosophy degree is that you actually, like, the limits to your knowledge, like, you just don't know. There's just so much limits to what a human being can know and understand, and, like, having a... Um, yeah, comprehending that, I think, has been one of the most valuable things I got out of that degree. Mm. It's interesting, there's this, this quest for uh, meaning. Uh, I had a good friend, like, when you get old, all your friends die, and this is what happens. And uh, mm. He was in the Second World War, and he was uh, standing between two other soldiers, and one on the left, one on the right, and they both, they both got sh- shot, and they fell on the ground and were dead, oh. and he was still standing, and I said, and I said, and I said, Harvey, I said, what... I said, what's the secret of life? And he said, dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, it's dumb luck. And he said, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, it's just dumb luck. You stumble through life, and if you get to the other end, you're lucky. <laughs> and here I, I was. Mean, I yeah, had a I guess cap- you had that experience. I can understand. You know, and, and I had this camera rolling. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get these great. This, oh, this was about 30 years ago. And I was much younger. Uh-huh. And I think, oh, I'm going to get this great insight. <laughs> and it was a great insight. <laughs> so, um, so, so what type of. Uh, were you working while you were at Melbourne Uni? Yeah, I, I was. I was um, flipping burgers. Ooh, flipping burgers. Yeah. Mm. How many hours a week were you doing flipping burgers? Oh, hard to say. It's 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 really it's really hard studying and and working, um, like balancing the two. And I think like I worked for Grilled actually, which later had like a big um, union thing filed against them for exploiting their workers. 
That's they right. put you on like um, an apprenticeship where you meant to get a hospitality apprenticeship, but you know you learn the same as you would get working at any burger a burger place. They just um, yeah. use that to sort of pay you below minimum wage. So I ended up working there like quite a number of hours a week, like 25, sometimes more, um, mm. 30. Um, but it was very close to the uni, so I could just go from, from class and to to the restaurant and back, and it was very convenient. Were you actually flipping burgers or interacting with the public? I was I was doing both. Um, yeah, I, was, I ended up working there for like... Uh, most of my degree, so over two years. So by that point, I got mm. promoted to a team leader, so I could mm-hmm. do all the jobs. I was the master of trades at the burger mm. restaurant. Mm-hmm. And how did you interact with the public? It's an interesting interaction, isn't it, when you're uh, dealing with people generally in a service yeah. role, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think... Um, yeah, I didn't love, didn't always love being on the um, on the front counter. I much preferred to be cooking or behind the scenes um, than doing that. But I think I've, I've since then I've always been in customer facing roles. I've, I've grown to really like it. Mhm, yeah, that's good. So, so when you finished your arts degree, is that is that uh-huh. what happened after that? Well, what happened after that? That was um, only a few, only a few, maybe it was five years ago now. Um, I just started working, um, working a bit, um, doing like a few bit of art stuff, um, and mostly like I think one of my main things was like wanting to go overseas. Like I said before, I was in Berlin for for a few months. Um, and then a lot of lot of the time it's just kind of working to like pay for pay for that. Um, I came out when I was 23, so like after uni finished is when mm-hmm. I actually realised that I was queer, um, and so that took up a bit mm-hmm. of my time as well, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there wouldn't be it wouldn't be a better place than Melbourne to come out, would there, in Australia? It was yeah. I was really lucky. I mean, yeah, you you can't really walk around without tripping over a queer or gay person. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I, um, me and this girl I worked with at Grilled actually, um, my friend Alana, we 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 would go out to Smith Street after work all the time, and we'd make out with each, we kiss each other. Uh, mm. <laughs> my friend, and we didn't we didn't think of anything of it, and then eventually it kind of clicked into place. We're still friends, um, but. Mm. Yeah, that was kind of kind of it. Well, it is a much more supportive environment. As you said, if you're still stuck in um, rural, regional Australia, New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it wouldn't have um, happened. And I kind of think that was what the whole Berlin thing might have been about as well. What's that? I think that might have been what the whole um, uh, draw to Berlin was as well, growing up, like, reading books about, like, uh, 1920s Berlin, and there's a lot of um, really, like, radical queer politics going on at that time. Mm. I think I was really interested in that, you know, women dressing as men and vice versa. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, like, now I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, it's kind of why I wanted to come to cities like this to sort of figure out a bit more about my identity that I wasn't able to sort of get from where I was growing up. So uh, I assume you're... Uh Happy in your identity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. yeah. In fact, you know, it's a supportive environment, although 
at the minute there's not much supportive about living in Melbourne. Uh, not mm. much at all. So, so yeah. because you're in because you're in hospitality and customer service, so, so how has that impacted mm. on you in the last since, since the beginning of the year since the COVID nineteen business started? Yeah, well, well now I work. Oh, I got a job um, working for a health organisation, answering the phones, sort of booking appointments. Mm. Um, mm. So I've been we got moved to work from home in March, and I've been working from home since then. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to be working from home. The the organisation I work for didn't really want to invest too much in the technology that they gave us to work from home because they've been wanting to move us back, um, back into the office. Um, they mm. tried to move us back into the office at the start of the second wave, but um, <laughs> enough of us were in the union to sort of um, cause a bit of a ruckus about it, and so now we're still working from home with no plans to go back um, into the main office until the end of Stage 4. Um, so, I don't mind so what that my you, desk is at the... Yeah. What union are you in? What? Sorry? Can you repeat? What was the question? Uh, what union are you in? Oh, ASU. The ASU. And how long have you been a member for? Not that long, um, only a few months. Um, yeah, someone from my work, you know, got got it started, um, encouraged us to join the union, took a few concerns to HR. I think the way that HR responded was so bad. So many um, more of us just joined the union now, so I think oh, there's a lot of us in the union at this organisation now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just shows you the strength of collective bargaining and working collectively, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's really it's something that's really kept me going as well because I'm not. I only had been working for this organisation for a few months um, mm-hmm. when we started working from home, and um, I felt a bit like I really wanted to talk to my co- my coworkers a lot more, um, mm-hmm. get to know them. And now through this, I think I've just come to realise I work with like a very a lot of very incredibly smart and um, driven individuals, and it's um, very comforting. And how are you interacting with? Uh, how are you coping, interacting with your friendship groups, and uh, during this period? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's pretty hard. I think, like, um, yeah, just writing letters to a few people, phone calls. I'm okay at long distance friendships because of moving interstate, but it's it's difficult. Like, I miss my friends a lot. Um, I, I moved house recently. People say that moving house is the new clubbing at the moment. Um, I moved house in, with one of um, my living with one of my best friends now, so that's been really nice. Mm-hmm. So that's been. What were you living by yourself before? No, in a different share house, but um, with people who are a bit more um, kept kept to themselves. Like we kept to ourselves a bit more. Like in in our own, I was in my own room like quite a bit, or at my partner's house. Um, and right, now right. I'm living with a close friend. We do everything together, so it's kind of nice. Right. Oh, that's good. So, uh, what are your plan? What are your plans for the future? It's oh, a good question. Um, I'm studying at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing uh, the CELTA course at RMIT to learn uh, to teach English to non-English speakers. So I'm wanting to maybe do do that. I'm also wanting to 
maybe move somewhere warmer at some point in my life. Um, and I think my my main thing <laughs> is I want to get um, get into gardening a lot. Um, that's yeah. My dream is right. just to like live somewhere where I've got built my own house and I've got a really big garden. Right. Have you have you been involved with series? Yeah, I volunteered there last year. I really miss it. Mm. What were you doing there last year as a volunteer? Just gardening. Just like gardening. On, on. Look, there's more than just gardening. <laughs> uh, growing things is, is an extraordinary privilege. It really is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and especially in the inner city, like uh, that place. It's yeah. Extraordinary to be a volunteer there, and. Uh, why did you volunteer at 3CR? Um, my old my uh, old housemates. Um, two of them, actually three of them, um, all had shows and did programs at 3CR. Um, one mm. of my housemates also volunteered at the front desk, and said you should give that a go. Um, especially like uh, Leanne gives a very good. Um, will give you a very good. Um, what is it when when you're trying to apply for a job and you get a, ref, a reference? Leanne's reference. Right reference. Yeah. yeah, you yeah, get experience because yeah. I wanted to do work that was kind of like a reception, receptiony as well. Um, but yeah, three yeah, CR. Wow, what a what a place. <laughs> it was a place. <laughs> now it's, <laughs> it's a shell now, but it's still broadcasting. Yeah. But it, you're right. It was it, it, it was a community, and you'd see a whole diverse range of people you'd never see mm. in the real world in inverted commas. So, uh, mm-hmm. And have you got any plans to uh, stick with 3CR after this? Or, or Yeah, uh, oh, definitely. I think like once you're in, it's a bit of a you're a lifer situation. Mm. I think even um, now um, when I listen to programs, I think like I hear opinions that I don't hear anywhere else. Um, mm. And I don't know mm. if I'd ever have my own show, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no. Well, I reckon you could work with somebody else if you don't want your own show. You can have two people and do a show. Makes it a lot oh, easier. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I would never have my mm. own. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, I'm, 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 I'm a bit shocked when you use the word lifer because I've been there since 1977. It is a prison sentence. I could have murdered yeah. two people and be out of prison by now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does have advantages, but... Um, it is, a, it is a community and it, it changes. That's the, it, it, it's interesting how the issues in the community change mm. and how the people with, mm. uh, with 3CR change over the period. There's a few people that hang around, but uh, there's this constant um, change and mixing and interacting and, you know, you, you learn things you'd, you'd never learn um, anywhere else. So I'm a little bit... Um, you're only 27 got a whole life mm. ahead of you. Have you, have you found mm-hmm. that meaning of life yet? Have you? You've done the philosophy. Yeah. You've, you've done the creative <laughs> writing. So, so what is the meaning? The meaning of life? Mm. I think, well, I think what um, a big breakthrough for me is realising that your life isn't so much, doesn't really start when you're born and end when you, when you die. It kind of stretches out longer than that through, like, DNA so it's more mm-hmm. about like your legacy as a part of the bigger picture, um, right. and I think that's enough, really. So, so you're talking about legacy in terms of 
having children or legacy no, in not terms even. of the impact just, you just, have on other people well, around say, you? That, yeah, well, say that like your life is one story and that's mm-hmm. one story told in like a big library of stories. It's kind of like even though your impact is small, it's every every life is valuable and meaningful in that way, and you only you know you just want to make the best impact that you possibly can. And like consciousness doesn't exist by itself; it's with other people. Um, so it's like how do you engage with other people that's meaningful in your actions and and that kind of thing. So how does that change the way you interact? Interact with other people. Well, mm. you just want to. You just want to. Um, you know, it's like really cheesy, but you just want to spread the love. You want to want people to have positive interactions with you, even if it's not necessarily like you want people to have pleasant interactions with you as much as possible. If it's not, if it can't be completely pleasant, you hope that maybe they'll learn something from it. Like there'll be something beneficial to come out of it. So I think like, well, I don't know. Like try and treat everybody with respect obviously, um, mm-hmm. and, like, every life is valuable and everyone's perspective is really valuable. Mm. So you don't see yourself as the centre of the universe. You're just part of the <laughs> continuum. It's strange. Uh, it's interesting talking to you because we've had this period in Australian society where, you know, the individual mm. is the is it. It's the essence. It's all mm-hmm. about you. And I have mm. noticed a change in the last few years amongst the a younger generation, which is, which is coming up, where mm. you, you you understand that it's more than the individual that we are we are social animals and we're part of a community, and, and I mm. find it fascinating that you actually make the effort, you know, to uh, interact. Yeah, I mean, I love that's why I love living in a city because you never know who you're going to meet. You meet so many. In- interesting people uh, when I lived on a farm you know you, you meet five people in a year like new people um so mm. I it, it's really it's really cool like Melbourne's a really interesting place I guess for the future like I don't know like um in in high school we started learning about global warming so we kind of knew like even this situation now I think I've been preparing for this mentally for years something like this happening learned about mm-hmm. it we knew it was coming I think maybe for our generation as well, we know we're going to have to band together to um, get through the next like rest of our lifetime because it's not going to get easier after this at all. It's probably going to get harder. Well, that's right. You need to, you need need to harvest collective wisdom and not uh, mm-hmm. just be individual silos. And uh, it's interesting that uh, younger people. Although, although I found fascinating that you said that you want to go back to the country, a warmer place, and uh, build your own home and uh, garden. Mm. So. Maybe you're not that interested. I mean, it doesn't have to be the country, but I don't know. Somewhere with affordable mm. land prices would be all right. I just, I only, I want to build my own home because I don't think that the houses that we build are very, like, environmentally sound. I feel like they produce a lot of waste. They're not very well, and en- they're not very energy efficient. So I'd like to have a go at creating my own home that was a bit more like, in the flow of things. Uh, have you got any ideas in your head of? what you would build and what you would use to build? I mean, I, I'm pretty romantic about the idea of having, like, a house made out of cob, like, mud and straw, mm-hmm. um, something really thick with, like, um, uh, uh, rounded that's stakes. That's the 70s. We used yeah. to do that. <laughs> it's not romantic. It's practical. 
and it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something. Have you heard of, um, uh, what is it, Ram Earthing Homes? Yes, yeah. Ram the Earth. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things you can do. I've got a friend in New Zealand, that, that's his job. He actually uh, designs and uh, makes those type of homes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, very interesting to me. Well, I think I think you've got a great future, and you've got a lot to oh. contribute to society. And no, seriously, because people like me, we stuffed it up for you. And uh, look, I oh. apologise because we have, we have, right. we've, uh, we've uh, look, we've done our best, but we we mm. we haven't been heard by you know mainstream society who thinks it's all about making mm. profits and all about individual. Goals and you know it's just been horrible. It really has been a horrible forty years since the uh, late seventies mm. because going on this path has created so many problems and we're mm. seeing them now. How they're handling the COVID nineteen, it just goes on and on. So I, I'm really excited to actually be speaking to you, Supray, because um, mm. you, you, you know where you're going and um, you know what you want to do. In, in life, and uh, that's good. And the fact that you, you see yourself as part of the community, it's extraordinary. Oh. You think, do you think many other younger people like you, or do you think uh, I'm just speaking yeah. to uh, what all your friends oh. are in the same mould? Or definitely, I, I wouldn't be where I am without my friends. I think they've, I've learned a lot from from people in the city, um, and yeah. I, I feel really lucky. I think um, there's just a lot of a lot of smart people out there who really care. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. when you think about those people, it keeps you going. So, so why do you think there's been this generational change? Because I've felt this generational change over the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the climate emergency or do you think it's just the fact that uh, people can't see a future for themselves in, in, in the current economic mm-hmm. uh, system? Yeah, I think it could be a lot to do with like the death of the the Australian dream. Like, um, it's not so feasible for people here to like people I went to school with. They all own houses now and have a few kids, so they would be very different to to the ideas that I have. Maybe I'm not sure though, because I speak to them all that often. Um, but I think for a lot of us, we like you said in school, they really talk talk about potential. We really promised potential. My generation in the '90s, they were like, "You set your mind to anything, you can achieve it." And then, kind of by the time you finished high school, you realised that that was just a huge lie, and that based off sort of the last few years, the economy has just been been really hard. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of disillusionment, but I think it's been good because. It makes people question the way we've been doing things a bit more. I think hopefully this year, especially, is really doing that for people. Mm. All, all I can say, pray Schultz, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We don't do interviews; we just have a little chat. And uh, I'm, uh, I really feel there's a future for you. And I think with people like you on the planet, we don't have to worry. And because um, you, you want to do the hard yards, and you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a task. Okay. I don't want you to. I don't want you to go to Berlin. I want you to create okay. Berlin in Australia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we need. Talks. Yeah, we need something positive, and uh, yeah, and I think I think you'll do well. So whatever you do, remember not to get ground like you did in uh, 
the early part of high school ground down. You, you don't, you, you, you've got potential, you've got intelligence, and most importantly of all, you've got that uh, that feeling for for people around you in the community, and, and you're doing something about it. So, Supray, congratulations, and um, I'm sorry for uh, stuffing up the world. All the best. Thank you. For, thank you for coming on thank Radical you. Australia. And hopefully you do get a radio program. Don't forget, I reckon you'd make a great presenter. Oh, I appreciate that. I can't believe I didn't even have to pay you for this. <laughs> no, look, I, uh, I interview a lot of people and uh, some I strip to the bare bones, but not you because I don't need to because you've got all the right attitudes. End <laughs> <in> the story. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.